Hey, it's Mark. This week's series of mini episodes taped live at the health conference in Vegas continues with digital editor Jack O'Brien. Welcome to the MMM podcast. My name is Jack O'Brien, coming to you live from the health conference, our final day here in Las Vegas. And I'm joined today by Jeff Cutler from Ada Health. Jeff, how are you doing? Great. Thank you for having me, Jack. And before we get started, I really wanted to understand a little bit more about your company, if you just want to inform our listeners about what you all do. Sure. Uh, Ada Health is a global company. We were founded about 11 years ago, specifically with the purpose of democratizing access to healthcare. Over the last 11 years, we've employed over 200 engineers, uh, physicians, clinicians, and we've built the world's most advanced comprehensive medical knowledge base. It has uh, all of the appropriate triage protocols and uh, different content around symptoms and the conditions that could be caused by by those symptoms. We've developed uh, a probabilistic reasoning engine, the AI component that goes against that knowledge base to help people determine what might be ailing them and the type of care they should seek. That's very interesting. I think it goes in line with a lot of the you know booths and speakers I've seen this week in terms of being able to use the information at hand to be able to help patients. Our audience are primarily pharma and biotech marketers. I'm curious how your work really interfaces with work that they're doing in terms of trying to expand access to care and improve the patient experience. Sure. Well, there's two lines of our business. About five and a half years ago, we launched the Ada Health app. Uh, December of 16, it's freely available in the iOS and Android stores. And it's really out there to showcase our technology as well as help people determine what might be wrong with them and seek the care. So over the last five and a half years, um, that uh, application has become the number one app in over 150 countries. We now have over 12 and a half million users use it. And what it does is it gives them the probabilities of a certain condition at the end of their self-assessment, which they're guided through with a very empathetic Q&A style chatbot. Uh, at the end of it, it will say there's a 60% chance this is sinusitis, in which case you should see a doctor in the next X days, you know, or something more serious. Um, but we then give them a lot of content to help them manage it. So one area that we're working with pharma and biotech on is to help them take that next step in their care journey. How do we now direct them either to the right medications, content, clinical trials, whatever it might be, so we can truly help these patients manage their care through an entire end-to-end patient journey. In addition, on the enterprise side, we are now serving as what we're referring to as this digital front door for large health systems, insurers. And very similarly, it's the same chatbot, but we integrate our triage and conditions with their care modalities. So at the end of an assessment, instead of just saying seeing a doctor in two to three days, it will actually allow them to click through for a telehealth consultation, a primary care appointment, a specialist appointment. Um, And once again, we're starting to work with life sciences and pharmaceutical companies to include the medication information, trials, other information that could help them their care journey. It seems like this has really taken off and developed over where it was even a few years ago. I remember when healthcare companies first started rolling out the idea of chatbots and it's like, okay, so what is the functionality going to be? But it seems like this has really evolved and, you know, gone into a bigger innovation. Absolutely. And, and to us, the most important thing is the clinical foundation. We have built our company as a medical content company. Uh, all of our conditions are properly modeled from like 15 to 20 sources, just like you would expect in any medical journal or anything else that's educating uh, uh, doctors. Very comprehensive. We're over 3,600 conditions. So we really want to address whatever it is that, that the people are ailing them. But I like to joke, you know, what's the number one reason that people in the U.S. go to a doctor? 
Well, it's often to find out if they need to see a doctor. So what we do is we take that guesswork out. And now what we're trying to do is once again, go one step further in helping them both manage that care a little more proactively, whether it be tracking their symptoms, um, medications and things like that. It's really interesting to hear about the work that's going on in your organization, pivoting a little bit. You know, we've both been here at the conference for about three days now. And other than Ludacris performing a concert last night, I'm curious what's really caught your eye at the conference in terms of maybe topics or themes that you've caught on to. Well, one of the things I really enjoy about this conference and I've seen take a, a, a big step forward this year is just having the various stakeholders working together. Mm. Um, there's been so many conferences over the last few years, especially before COVID, where it was like the digital health industry itself, very insular, um, to see the CEOs of the companies that are changing healthcare, the insurance companies, the large retailers, the Walgreens of the world, kind of working with us to figure out now how do we work together to truly improve healthcare here? Um, to me, that's that, that's a big change and it's, it's very welcome. And, and to that end, I know that this is actually a question I haven't really asked anybody on the podcast yet, but this is really one of the first major conferences that's come back in full force since COVID. Compared to years past, does it feel like we're finally kind of back to something normal? Uh, it does, Jack. And I'm really glad you're asking me that because I've already commented several people I've seen uh, both last night and today. Um, it's almost like old home week here. Mm -hmm. I remember when I went to Vive in March, um, when you registered, they gave you three colored wristbands, red uh, yellow and green to indicate to others whether you were comfortable coming in for a shake or kind of stay away. Mm. Um, and here, everyone I've gone up that I've seen that I know to shake their hand, it's like, no, no, come in for the hug. You yeah. know, it's just that warm embrace. People are friendly. Um, even at these events, you know, people very much in close contact and, and more importantly, not too concerned about it, which which to me is is a welcome change. It is. And I think kind of going to the point about momentum, I'm curious what you're looking at going into 2023. Somehow we're only, you know, like 50 days away from the start of the new year. What are some themes or some different uh, points that you're looking at going into next year? Sure. Well, uh, first of all, we've started working with some of the really large health systems here in the U.S. So in particular, we are the, now the digital front end for patient access for Sutter Health, for Kaiser Permanente. There's a couple other really large health systems that we're going to be launching in the next three to six months. Um, and that's on the, the enterprise side. Um, we also have uh, a very interesting partnership coming up with a, with a large retailer where we're going to be helping direct patients for their insurer clients, for others to low acuity care services. So this integration of, once again, us working together to be able to drive people to both the low acuity services, whether they need more advanced care, emergency care, um, that's what I'm seeing changing is the integration of, of those, uh, those types of services. Excellent. Well, Jeff, it's been wonderful having you on the show. And I guess if there was any final points that you want to make to our audience of medical marketers, this would be your opportunity for that. One point I would like to make is the importance of health literacy. Um, an additional perspective on your last question. Um, we're finding that as tools like ours are coming out more in the mainstream, we have to bridge this gap between the complex medicalese that is often spoken and, and the plain language, whatever it is people are speaking. So we've spent a lot of time in the last year or so reducing the reading level of our content uh, to about seventh grade level. We're still trying to get it a little lower, um, especially to reach some of the health deserts and you know, place where um, uh, they might not be as literate. We're also finding the importance of multilingual helps break down these language barriers. So we now support, excuse me, 11 different languages. 
um, and we allow a patient to do an assessment in one language, but the clinician to receive it in another. Once again, trying to break down these barriers. And um, I think bringing services like this to the masses um, is is a big change that we're starting to see and embrace. No, it's a very important consideration there, and it's one that we'll definitely be paying attention to in the future. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you again for being on the show. We appreciate it. Thank you for everything you guys do. We, uh, we love following you. If you like this episode, please give it a thumbs up. Better yet, subscribe on your podcasting platform of choice and help others discover the show. The MMNM Podcast is produced by Bill Fitzpatrick, Deborah Stahl, Bradley Weems, and Gordon Failer. Our theme music is by Sizzy M. Sohn. We're out every week. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.